With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. First off, it's free, 100% free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or your computer. It couldn't be easier. Anchor will then distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. And you can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Hey, what's up, everybody? Chris Trapasso here from CBSSports.com, and you are listening to a special Monday NFL Combine edition of the Prospect Podcast. With the Combine starting today in Indianapolis, what I'm going to do is, and by the way, I'm so excited that we're getting quarterback hand sizes. It's the best way to start off the pre-draft process, the Combine. It's just an amazing day on Twitter when these quarterback hand sizes come in. What I'm going to do today is read through the questions that Daniel Jeremiah received during his Combine uh, conference call last week and just give my own answers on the questions that he received. I'm not going to read the questions word for word, but I have them written down here, just a general outline of what he was asked each question, and just give my own thoughts. So here we go. The first question he got was about the Georgia prospects, and I'll just run through my thoughts on on the main guys. Um, Andrew Thomas, the offensive tackle, it's been interesting that he started the pre-draft process as like the consensus top guy. And I think as more people watched his film, that's kind of changed. And and I think even Daniel Jeremiah um, during the senior bowl, listing him further down his board in his top 50 made some people realize that teams might not be as high on Andrew Thomas as this locked in top five or top seven overall pick. I like Andrew Thomas. He's not my top tackle. Um, I graded tackles really early. Um, in the pre-draft process, but toward the end of the season, I went back and watched them all together. Um, I didn't like him as much as Tristan Wirfs. I think Mackay Becton's right there with him. Definitely a first-rounder, though. You can't teach his athleticism and his strength at his size with his length. Um, pass protection, it's he's not. It's, this is not a Greg Robinson situation where he's just this bulldozer against the run, but he's totally lost in pass protection. Um, but you see times where he's a little bit off balance um, and isn't as stable as you would like for you know a top prospect at the left tackle spot. But in the run game, he's awesome. He's very aware of stunts, can get to them because he is very athletic. Looks like an NFL tackle. He doesn't need to add a ton of weight. He doesn't need to get considerably stronger. I think somewhere in the 10 to 22 range, somewhere in that range, 25, um, that's where Andrew Thomas should ultimately go. The comment will be big for him, of course. Jake Fromm, I like him. I think three or four years ago, I, I would have been a lot higher on him, but I have realized, and I wrote the article about it, and, and the last podcast, the scouting lessons I've learned, I talked about it. Um, I've learned that you need to be able to improvise, not just drifting inside the pocket, but outside the pocket and having a big arm in today's NFL where teams are really stretching the field a lot more than they used to. It's not all just West Coast offense, death by a thousand paper cuts on offense. Um 
that you need to have a stronger arm. And and Jake Fromm is deficient a little bit in both of those areas. I think he throws with anticipation, which leads to some really impressive throws from inside the pocket. But at times, you see a lot of his passes get broken up outside the numbers because he has to throw with anticipation because his arm strength just isn't there. And I think, actually, if he's looking at his target, he's actually very accurate. His ball placement is really good. But because he has to throw with anticipation so much, it's so much harder for him to have outstanding ball placement because he's guessing a lot of the times. He's seeing a wide receiver in his route stem and going, okay, this he's going to break out at 10 yards. I got to throw it now. And then the ball's a little high or it's there a little late to the inside. So those are my problems with with Jake Fromm. I love um, how experienced he is. I think his arm isn't terrible, but it's probably going to be at its best NFL average and at most of the times below average. Uh, And he's just cannot move really beyond a a subtle drift inside the pocket. He's not any pressure that gets to him. It's going to cause problems in the NFL. And even the best offensive lines, you're still seeing pressure about 20% of the time as a quarterback, and it can be up, be upwards of 40% of the time in terms of just strict pressure. Um, so that would be a problem for him in the NFL, and it will be unless he lands with a team with a great blocking unit up front. So Jake Fromm, second or third, fourth round, I think that's he's a, a better version of Aaron Murray. Uh, who's now in the XFL and and you know set all these records at Georgia, but went later in the draft, I believe fifth round of the Chiefs, a few years ago. Jake Fromm is a better version of him. He's a little bit more physically gifted than Aaron Murray was, but a similar type player. And then the last guy, uh, DeAndre Swift, and there's always a few guys, which I think it's really the case with everyone. A few guys that I'm a lot higher on every draft season than the consensus, and a few guys I'm a lot lower on. And DeAndre Swift. Watching him last year, I thought this guy's going to be special. He could be a first-round pick. Um, His cutting, just how efficient he was, wasn't really dancing one or two cuts in a run, making maybe one defender miss, good power. I just did not see that this season in 2019. And I almost think that because George's run blocking was so good, it almost hurt him to a certain degree that he didn't really have to make a lot of defenders miss, but was still breaking off 10, 15, 20-yard runs. Um, I think he's good across the board. I think he has good speed, good athleticism, elusiveness is good, contact balance is good. I just don't think he's great in any area. I think kind of, and I talked about this uh, recently too and wrote about it that I don't, I certainly try not to have any blind spots, but he kind of reminds me um, of a a less elusive version of Josh Jacobs. And I didn't. I had Josh Jacobs as my running back number five. He landed in a perfect situation with the Raiders, that great offensive line, and was just making defenders miss every game. Multiple defenders miss throughout the course of the game was not easy to bring to the turf. I don't think Swift is even as naturally talented. I know there's been more hype for DeAndre Swift than there was for Josh Jacobs, who was kind of like a backup at Alabama. Um, Both, when you're kind of using the Swift-Jacobs comparison, they're both very good catching the football out of the backfield. I just don't see an area where he's truly special. And for the hype, first-rounder, number one back, number two back, I just don't see that right now. I'm not gonna really probably not gonna get into my rankings right now because those are gonna be tweaked a fair amount after the combine. But DeAndre Swift is the one guy that I think if he goes to a good team that has a good offensive line, he can be a solid player. I just don't see top half of the second round or top pick in the second round, definitely not in the first round. So that's how I view the uh Georgia prospects. Then uh Jeremiah got a question about the tight ends, Harrison Bryant and Bryson Hopkins. I thought I was going to like Harrison Bryant a lot more because I had heard a lot about how he's added weight and that he looks stronger in 2019. He's a talented pass catcher. There's no doubting that. And he will be, in terms of just the NFL standard for tight ends, he'll be above average athletically right away. I still think he is a little slender. He did look a little bit more um, better as a blocker or more uh, willing to, 
and capable of moving people as a blocker. But if you draft him, again, you're not. we've gotten to the point where unless you're getting TJ Hawkinson or you're getting Rob Gronkowski, um, you're not really that worried about the blocking prowess for your tight end, especially someone like Harrison Bryant um, that had so much receiving production at, at FAU. You're drafting him to be a receiver. I saw a fair amount of drops, um, easy drops on film, which there's kind of an argument, you know, should drops matter? Should you not really care about them because such a small percentage of a receiver or a tight end's targets? But uh, if you're going to be that reliable chain mover, you can't have easy drops on film, and I, and I saw those with Harrison Bryant. Love his ability to stretch the field. Um, a lot of the tight ends in this class are good underneath um, in the flat can maybe make a defender miss or, or pick up some yards after the catch. Brian can stretch the seam for sure. And when he catches the football, um, he's not super elusive. He's not going to uh, jump cut his way to, into the end zone, but he can run through a tackler and can just win with pure speed and acceleration. So that's what I like about him. I don't not saying I think he's the top tight end. Who I do have as my top tight end right now, Bryson Hopkins from Purdue, and he's another one. A lot of drops on film, but to me, what separates him from someone like Harrison Bryant and the other tight ends in this class, his splash plays happen more frequently than anyone else. Whether that be a contested catch down the field um, or being very elusive and very sudden after the catch on a on a drag route underneath or a slant, Bryson Hopkins has that ability that next level ability to um, take a very simple route catch the football and then get upfield juke a defender in space a safety um, and then run through a tackler to turn what should be maybe a five or a six yard gain into a 15 or a 20 yard gain so um, that's what I think about those two tight ends individually the next question Jeremiah got um, was about the Baltimore Ravens options at number 28 and specifically about inside linebacker uh, or an edge rusher. I think Kenneth Murray would make sense in a way because he's ath- very athletic. He's, to me, and, and Isaiah, Th- or Isaiah Thomas, Isaiah Simmons is getting so much hype, rightfully so, leading into this combine. I think Kenneth Murray's actually, when you're looking at the entire wheel so to speak of athleticism and I'm thinking of that site mock draftable that has the webs the circular webs of all the combine drills that I'll be on quite a bit and I highly recommend you should go to this week at the combine I think Kenneth Murray when you're looking at that web is a better all-around athlete than Isaiah Simmons I think Simmons has more range he's longer um, definitely more um, adept in coverage but in terms of suddenness and twitch and the ability to click and close on the football, along with his speed and tackle radius, uh, when you're looking at that whole picture, I think Kenneth Murray is actually more athletic. The problem is the Ravens two years ago, or I guess last year, um, let C.J. Mosley go in free agency. And at the time, a lot of people were wondering, why would they let their team captain? This guy they picked out of Alabama in the first round a few years ago, he's been so good. Coverage. That was the reason why they let him go. They weren't going to pay an insane amount of money, and the Jets did pay C.J. Mosley an insane amount of money um, to be a really good run defender and an average coverage defender. You can't, I can't stress this enough that we see so many big plays from linebackers today, and that gets and that pushes a lot of these guys up, or it kind of boosts their draft stock, or just how people view them. If they're not making plays in coverage. They they sh- cannot be considered an elite linebacker because you need to be able not only just to cover tight ends and running backs, but make plays in zone, read the quarterback's eyes, understand route concepts behind you. And Kenneth Murray just wasn't used in that capacity. He was a spy or a blitzer. So at, from an athleticism standpoint, if he was there at number 28 overall and the Ravens blitz more than any other team under Don uh, or Wink Martindale, um, that that's where I could see it being a fit. And they're going to say, okay, well, um, we have Patrick Awasu and he's going to be our coverage guy and Murray's going to be our blitzer and our quarterback spy. That's why I can kind of understand it. I think Patrick Queen could be in the equation um, as well. I don't see 
the first round hype for him. Um, I, I do think he is better in coverage than Kenneth Murray. He was used in coverage a lot more. He's just as good, if not better, sniffing out screens. Um, very small, looks like a safety. And, and I'm someone that's almost under the impression that a linebacker can't be too small in today's NFL. But he was like listed at six foot and 220. I don't even know if he's that big. He just looks tiny. Um, but in terms of athleticism, he's probably a tier below Isaiah Simmons and Kenneth Murray. He'll, he would be an option for the Ravens at number 28. Um, the guy that I like a lot, Troy Dye, in terms of coverage is outstanding. He's in that second or third tier in terms of athleticism. Um, and I noticed something about him rewatching him because I had him graded really early because there was a lot of buzz about him before the season. Um, and I wrote down that he, man, he's, he has a lot of problems getting off blocks. Um, but then I remembered and I noticed it on film that Troy Dye played with, must have been a broken hand this year because he had like a club on his right hand. So it can't be the easiest to get off of blocks when you really only have one free hand to do so. So Troy Dye, to me, if, if I was the GM of the, of the Ravens and I see a good combine because you don't want to draft um, a lot of you know poor athletes in the first round. If Troy Dye has a respectable combine, I would consider him if you want coverage because he, to me, is the most um, well-rounded and experienced and productive coverage linebacker of any linebacker in this class. Not as flashy um, as Isaiah Simmons, Kenneth Murray, Patrick Queen. So all those those three or four guys would make sense at the um, – inside linebacker, off-ball linebacker spot for the Ravens, which I think it is a position that they do need to address relatively early in this draft. And then for edge, and I'll be a little quicker with this, um, Curtis Weaver seems like a Baltimore Ravens type of outside rusher. They like those bigger 260, 270 um, outside linebackers um, that don't necessarily have to put their hand in the dirt but are just really powerful at the point of attack, good against the run, but can really get after the pass rusher. It kind of reminds me of Matthew Judon, who they're expected to franchise tag, just a bigger power rusher. But when he's healthy, Curtis Weaver's bend around the edge is outstanding, especially at 6'3 and in in 265 range. Like That's a very stout, stocky body type. Um, And to have that ability to bend at that size is, is really tremendous. And then he uses his hands well. He's not just winning with speed. He's not... Um, only winning with his athleticism or power, very good with his hands. He's not trem- like he's not phenomenal with his hands, but he understands swipe move, swim move, back to the inside, just enough pass rushing moves to keep offensive linemen off balance. So Curtis uh, Weaver would make a lot of sense to me there. Um, trying to go like uh, Daniel Jeremiah and, and not – I mean, I have the questions. He didn't, but I I didn't spend time, um, you know, really prepping for this because I wanted to be as close to what he has to deal with every day or, or in that conference call every year. Um, so Curtis Weaver is a guy I've continually mocked to the Ravens. I think he would make a ton of sense. I think if Yeter Gross Models from Penn State was there at number 28 overall, more of a traditional hand-in-the-dirt defensive end, but I loved what I saw from him in the pass rush move department this year, the improvement. He's big too, 6'4", 6'5", 260, 270-ish. Um, so he could fit the billing of adding some more juice to the outside of the Ravens' pass rush. Again, they do want to blitz a lot, but I, I mean, you look at the team, they have Matthew Judon, Jalen Ferguson, a third-rounder a few years ago. <clears throat> or was that just last year? Yeah. Uh, last year, um, does not really have the athleticism to be even a, a a solid number two. I think he made some plays as a rookie, um, but they need some edge rush. So Curtis Weaver, Yitir Gross Matos, those are the two guys that I think will be there um, or, or could be there realistically. I don't think A.J. Epines is going to be there at that point. If he was there, I, I think they would run that pick to the podium. He fits exactly what they want to do. Big power, can play on the inside as well, good against the run, ascending pass rushing moves. I just don't think he would be there at number 28. So those are kind of the options for the Ravens at 28 overall. Um, next question was about the Cowboys uh, and the safety and cornerback position. They definitely have to address the secondary um, with Byron Jones, Byron Jones expected to hit free agency um, and, and unlikely to, re- to be re-signed by Dallas with Dak coming up and Amari Cooper and a few other players. 
Um, it's interesting, though, because they need to address the secondary, but they've used a lot of relatively early picks on corners and on safeties. Um, I think Trevon Diggs from Alabama makes a lot of sense. It's just if they want another bigger, uh, more physically overpowering outside corner to replace Byron Jones, Trevon Diggs would make a lot of sense. I don't know how fast he is. Um, I, I mean, most of the Alabama guys test pretty well, but he doesn't look considerably fast on film. I think he's a little bit stiff, um, but he's 6'2 and over 200 pounds. He's probably going to have like 33-inch arms. Like he's a monster on the outside and disrupts a lot of passes just because of his length, being able to uh, change the timing of the of the route at the line. And then even if he's not in the hip pocket of the receiver, the length, um, the leaping ability to dive and, and get his hands on the football really help him be very disruptive. So he would make a lot of sense if they trade back. I think Bryce Hall from Virginia, who led college football in pass breakups two years ago and then got hurt very early this season, would make a lot of sense. More of a zone cornerback, but very long, very instinctive. Uh, he would make sense. And then at safety, I've really started to like this safety class that um, I think Julian Blackman, and I know he, he played his his – time at corner at Utah, but he moved to safety his senior year. Um, and having that versatility, you truly, I mean, if he stayed at corner, he probably would have been a second or a third round pick at corner. Um, very good safety as well this year. The range, the length, the size. Um, if a team, I mean, not a lot of teams use someone at corner and safety in the same season or, or plan to do that. But Julian Blackman could be kind of a dark horse pick there. Um other guys in the safety class, Grant Delpit, if he's there, um, I think that would be a pick that the Cowboys would strongly consider and should. Great ability and coverage to range from that robber position um, kind of as a strong safety in the middle, roaming free. That's what you want to do with Grant Delpit because he's big, he's athletic, he has great length. The tackling issues are definitely there. I mean, anyone watches this film, you see a lot of missed tackles. Did get hurt later in the season, and so I'm, I was kind of writing off some of those misses, but it was a problem uh, in 2018 and definitely a problem for most of 2019. I think he got a little better down the stretch, um, but there was a, a period there where um, later in the season, I think against Alabama, got injured um, last few games, just missing some tackles, just didn't look as that like that explosive player that we had seen from him earlier in his career. He would make a lot of sense. Um and then the last guy, and, and was talking about Byron Jones earlier, um, Noah Igbenogany from Auburn. He's my actually my number three cornerback right now. So that is one um, ranking that I will say in this for sure um, because he is so twitchy. He's six. He's listed at six foot six one, two hundred pounds. Incredibly fluid hips, lightning quick feet. Um, very very physical and press almost maybe to a fault at times can be a little grabby speed down the field and he's really only been playing corner for like two years came to Auburn as a pretty big recruit as a wide receiver I've said this a lot already in, in interviews and podcasts and I've written it his parents were both Olympic athletes so he has the genetics and we saw how back in 2015 or yeah in 2015 um when Byron Jones shot up draft boards it was because um he had a ridiculous combine. He set the world record in the broad jump at 12 foot and three, 12 feet and three inches. Um, so if, I don't know if Igbenogany is going to do that, but he looks like an insane athlete, a little bit raw, but not tremendously. So I think, um, there were a lot of times where he was mirroring down the field on intricate routes and was right there with wide receivers that made multiple cuts, on a route, and he's right in their hip pocket. So Noah Igbenogany is a name to keep an eye on for the Cowboys. In the first round, if they trade back a little bit, um, it's a pretty good corner class, and the safety class um, is kind of growing on me. Xavier McKinney would make a ton of sense for the Cowboys, more in the box type of guy, but Nick Saban trusted him to really carry out a lot of responsibilities, and that's over the years you've seen like Landon Collins and the Mark Barons. Um, Haha, <laughs> Clinton Dix, Eddie Jackson, a lot of these good safeties that have come into the league from Alabama, they were that alpha 
um, that was playing free safety, that was playing in a slot, that was in the box, that Nick Saban was moving around a lot. And that's usually a good indication of how good a safety prospect is based on how Nick Saban uses him. And Xavier McKinney was always around the football, super twitched up, um, very sudden, good instincts, plays like a linebacker in the box. And I saw some range. I saw some ability in coverage, got it, uh, had a pass breakup against LSU um, that was you know down the field can play him at robber, can play him at, at at free safety if you need to, and, and even match him up against slot receivers. I don't think he's going to stick with the quickest guys in the league, but he has the, that um, smoothness in his hips and just the speed in his feet to stay with some of the, the you know middle-of-the-road slot receivers in the NFL. So Xavier McKinney would be another one, along with Grant Delpit, that the Cowboys should really look into. Um, I'm going to kind of speed through this because I'm looking at my timer here. I'm already at 23 minutes. Um, Lions trading down. I think they should consider it because there are going to be a lot of teams calling about Tua Tonga-Vailoa unless a team moves up to number two um, and, the, and the Redskins trade down. The Derrick Brown thing that's, oh, they should pick Derrick Brown, that makes absolutely no sense to me. They've invested so much on these interior in, uh, interior defensive linemen. Derrick Brown's good, gives you more as a run defender than a pass rusher, and that's the problem. They've picked a lot of these run defender first um, defensive linemen that's not who they should go with. Unless he has a ridiculous combine, I can maybe see, could kind of warm to the idea, but that's not what the Lions need. They need an edge rusher. For some reason, Chase Young was there. I would run that pick up there. But this is a team that, in a pretty competitive NFC North and NFC in general, they need to kind of get more draft capital and, and build this roster. Um, Tua, if they really want to redshirt him, maybe consider that. Matthew Stafford was having what looked to be a career season before he got injured. He is a little older. Can't really move on from him until at the earliest next season. Um, I think they should trade down. Maybe not, you know, into the back end of the teens, but somewhere in the uh, outside, you know, from maybe pick eight or nine to pick 10 or 11, I think you could still get a really good defensive player. Um, And I don't think we've heard enough about wide receiver for the lions that you have Kenny Galladay emerging um, wide receiver that had a really good season with, you know, he did not have the best quarterback play for most of the season um, and was over a thousand yards over 10 touchdowns, but you need to add some more receiver um, ability in that uh, group in Detroit. So that could be an option too. And you can certainly get one if you trade back, if you're the Detroit Lions, and and I just do not think that they uh, should go Derek Brown. That's like my biggest pet peeve that I've seen. Like, oh, is it should be between Jeffrey Akuda and 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 Derek Brown. Jeffrey Akuda, if they're just saying, look, we're not going to trade back, go with Jeffrey Akuda. Matt Patricia wants to play press man. Jeffrey Akuda is the best man corner in this draft. Um, the most to gain, I wrote down. Oh, at the combine. Um, I think Tristan Wirfs, because everyone has this idea, oh, he's a guard, oh, he's big, he's wide, he's powerful, he's not that athletic. I thought his controlled short steps in his kick slide and pass protection were outstanding. I think he is an awesome athlete for being as big as he is, and even compared to the other um, tackles in this class. When you have Andrew Thomas, you have Mekhi Becton, who's a lot bigger. I think Tristan Wirfs can really gain a lot um, this week in Indianapolis. And then how about T. Higgins? Uh, I tweeted about it yesterday that 4.50 is the time for him to kind of aim for. That if he's slower than 4.50, his recent history kind of works against him being a first round pick. And, and you've seen like a lot of mocks, including mine, have him, you know, to the Eagles at 21, the Bills at 22. But then you see a lot of other big boards and a lot of other mocks. Oh, he's like a middle of the second round pick, which I think would be preposterous. But. He's going to be in a class, a group of wide receivers that are going to run super duper fast. No one expects him to run four three, or even low four fours necessarily. But if he can just be below four five zero, or maybe if he's at four five zero or four five one, um, that could help him during the pre draft process. He just can't run four five eight or four six, um, even if he is. 6'4 and and 215 with long arms and huge hands. So he has 
kind of the most to gain, but the most to lose at the same point. I think Patrick Queen, I talked about him earlier, um, being that smaller, twitchier linebacker. Um, I think Isaiah Simmons is going to test close to Derwin James, um, who had a 40-inch vertical and ran in the low 4-4s, uh, had a 11-foot broad jump, but I think Patrick Queen, like with a three-cone, the 40-yard dash, could really catapult himself up um, this uh, linebacker class. Giants at number four. I think that they need to go offensive line, that Dave Gettleman has seemingly gone with the flashier picks with Saquon Barkley. I mean, I guess Daniel Jones maybe wasn't a flashy pick, but it was an important pick at an important position. Um, So there's a fair amount of mocks that say, oh, wide receiver, go Jerry Judy there. Um, I don't think they really need to do that. I mean, you saw the the splash plays from Daniel Jones as a rookie. He's thrown to Darius Slayton. Um, he never really had his full complement of receivers, an older Golden Tate. Um, even Caden Smith, the, the tight end from Stanford, the rookie made some plays down the stretch. Uh, you have Saquon Barkley out of the backfield. So, I don't think that it's a team that right now the biggest need is wide receiver. They need to protect Daniel Jones a lot better. He's not great under pressure. He fumbles the football a lot, which is usually the, a problem with younger quarterbacks, um, but not great under pressure, I didn't think. I mean, I, I think there's some advanced stats to say, oh, he was actually pretty decent under pressure. I watched all of his throws. I, I didn't see someone that looked very poised and comfortable with the pocket collapsing. He can improvise a little bit, um, but made some of his bad decisions under pressure. Tristan Wirfs at four, Mackay Becton at four would make a lot of sense. Trading back, picking someone like Josh Jones or even Andrew Thomas, um, that makes the most sense to me. And then going receiver later in the draft. Eagles wide receiver options, Henry Ruggs um, is the obvious one. T. Higgins, if he has a good combine um, at 21, I mean, if they're kind of transitioning off of Alshon Jeffrey but want that bigger bodied, you know, kind of high point guy for Carson Wentz, there you go, T. Higgins. Brandon Ayuk from Arizona State, he's expected to test very, very well. Good yards after the catch. Not great, but a lot of his yards after the catch are catching a deep ball and running 40 yards. Um, they did use him in the screen game a little bit at, at Arizona State. Decently elusive. I mean, I could go on and on. Just one of the top receivers. If they want to get aggressive, trade up to take a C.D. Lamb, or if Jerry Judy falls, that would be a home run um, for Howie Roseman. So, those are the guys kind of in the first round, and, and that's been a glaring need for the Eagles. I would say right now, that's like seems like the most locked-in position, even pre-free agency of any team that the Eagles should target and will target wide receiver in the first round. Washington trading down. I've been very vocal about this. Um, the Redskins should trade down. That it, So much is, oh, you don't trade off of um, an elite edge rusher like uh, Chase Young, and and I think Chase Young is outstanding, but I don't think that this is a team that is an edge rusher away from competing in the NFC East and making the playoffs. They've invested a ton up front in the last three or four drafts. Jonathan Allen, Deron Payne, Montez Sweat last year. They have Ryan Kerrigan under contract this season. Um, do I think that they should just not address edge rusher? No. But I think if there are tons of teams calling them to move up to two, and maybe not tons, maybe a collection of teams, small collection, uh, and are going to trade one or two first-round picks, a second-rounder, a third-rounder, that's what this team needs. They need to build around Dwayne Haskins. That If we're talking about the defense, we're talking about um, being able to pressure the quarterback, that's great, and you do need to do that. Um, I think Montez Sweat came on strong down the stretch. And with a little bit more strength, he can be a, a very good edge rusher. You have that sturdiness on the inside. You need to build around your quarterback. That is more important than anything. And that means if you can get take two first-round picks this year, maybe a second-rounder and then a third-rounder next year or whatever, who knows what a package could be for a team that you're not only kind of p- paying that quarterback tax where the Redskins could say, okay, you're you're trading up here to take Tua Tagovailoa. We, we're going to make you pay a little more. They can also say, we're also passing on Chase Young. So we want even a, a secondary tax um, on the haul that we're going to receive from you. That's what I think the Redskins should do. We saw that they were on the wrong end of the RG3 trade in 2012. They could get a similar type haul um, and have a lot of early picks 
over the next couple of years. I think Ron Rivera is probably going to gravitate toward Chase Young um, because of his defensive background. Um, but you look at the the front of at Washington, and you're not like, oh, this this is a front that really needs an edge rusher. Could they use it with Ryan Kerrigan's age? Yes, definitely. But I think what's more valuable in their position that they're at and the position that their team is in roster-wise, trading back, no, don't trade back to 18, um, but trade back six, seven, eight picks and get a gigantic package um, for a team trading up for Tua Tagovailoa and start to build your team around Dwayne Haskins. Should they consider Tua Tagovailoa? I mean, there's kind of a thought out there that, oh, Haskins didn't show enough. I think they could consider it, um, but I, I don't think they will, so I don't think it really makes sense to talk that much about it. Um, so, yes, I, I'm of the school of thought that the Redskins should trade back, get more early draft capital, and build around Dwayne Haskins. Brown's options at number 10 um, in terms of offensive linemen. A lot of the guys I just mentioned for the Giants. I, I really like this offensive tackle class, and a lot of people view it the same way, that right behind wide receiver, it's up there. It, it's the second-best position group. Um, Tristan Wirfs would be a home run. Josh Jones is, I think it's going to take him a little bit of time to to deal with NFL pass rushers um, coming from Houston, but multiple years of just a lot of production just didn't look out of place, looked like a man amongst boys um, at Houston. He would maybe be a little early, but I get it from an athletic standpoint because he does look pretty athletic. Um, Andrew Thomas would be a little bit of a reach and a not saying that the Browns were really focusing on having Greg Robinson as their franchise guy, but a similar type of player that's pretty good against the run, but not a great pass protector. Um, well, I shouldn't say that Andrew Thomas isn't a great pass protector. He's good, but, and, and I think he's a lot better in pass protection than, than uh, Greg Robinson was coming out of Auburn in 2014, but a similar type player. So I think Tristan Wirfs, um, Dredrick Wills, if they want to address the right side of the line, I think it would be a lot to ask of an offensive tackle prospect to go, okay, you were awesome as a right tackle this year. You're going to start playing left tackle now. I, I think that's, you know, this changing up the footwork and the handwork and everything. Um, when you're picking someone, it's in such a crucial season for Baker Mayfield. Um, but I could understand it because the right side of the line was bad too, and you need to have a good right tackle in today's NFL. It's not just throw some you know crappy guy over there. We we know that at this point. The teams are moving around their pass rushers, so you need two good offensive tackles. Um, Mackay Becton, if he doesn't test through the roof at you know six eight and three seventy, whatever he is, um, he could be there at number ten. He would make a lot of sense. Effortless power, very controlled, awesome athlete for his size. Like he, I loved um, Orlando Brown. He was my number one offensive tackle in twenty eighteen. Had the epically bad combine, but really considering his weight, it wasn't so terrible. Um, he was like the biggest guy in combine history. So I don't really know how we could have compared it to a lot of other things. He's locked down the right side of Baltimore's offensive line the last two years. So even if Mekhi Becton isn't outstanding um, at the combine, I, I think he would make sense for the Browns. They just have to go offensive tackle, definitely. Um, AJ Epinesa as a top 10 pick was the next question that Daniel Jeremiah got. Um, I think he could be because of the versatility. He's going to be 270, maybe even 280 at six foot four and 6'5". Um, very strong. You saw that even in 2018. Um, and then his pass rush moves got better as a full-time player. He was kind of like a sub-package guy in 2018. Um, this past year, even early in the season where he wasn't getting a lot of sacks, still creating a lot of pressure, um, just uses his hands very well. He's not, com- for as strong as he is, and a lot of really strong defense alignment just try to bull rush their way to the quarterback way too often. They then stay stuck on those blocks. Um, He uses his hands very well. His swipe move is very good. Uh, Club move with a rip. Swim move back to the inside. And you can play him at defensive tackle. If he tests well, and it's kind of hard to say because I think for his size, he's a good athlete. I don't know if he's going to test like a normal top 10 pick. Um, I think he can move into that range because you see refinement, you see power. So those are two check marks. And then if the athleticism is there, I think he can move inside the top 10. Cardinals at number eight. Um, I don't think adding to the secondary would be a bad idea, but I've routinely gone 
um, wide receiver or offensive tackle. And you look at the offensive line and you say, man, they got to get Kyler Murray better protection. Um, he was pressured a lot. He does take some sacks when he runs around a little bit um, and, and does make it harder on his offensive line by running around so much. Um, but in Cliff Kingsbury's system, they're going to get the ball out quickly. And they threw a ton of screens, a lot of quick game stuff. Um, I don't think it's as important as, say, the Browns at 10 um, or the Giants at 4 that aren't going to have that type of offense. Um, so that's why I've gone CeeDee Lamb. I've gone Jerry Judy. Um, but any of the offensive tackles I just l- talked about um, for the Browns, Tristan Wirfs, Mekhi Becton, Jedrick Wills, Josh, will- or Josh Jones, those would make sense at number 8 that I don't think anyone would really scoff at that pick knowing that they have Kyler Murray there. It's going into year two with him and Cliff Kingsbury. Um, They did just extend DJ Humphreys, so that could maybe indicate that they're not going to go offensive line. Um, And it's interesting that that they drafted Andy Isabella last year in the second round, Hakeem Butler in the fourth, who got hurt right away, missed his entire rookie season. You had um, Keyshawn Johnson later in the draft from Fresno State. Then you also had Larry Fitzgerald. You had Christian Kirk going into his second season. It was like, oh, this is a pretty good receiver group and down the stretch I mean from like November on it was a pretty bad I mean no disrespect to Larry Fitzgerald who's a hall of famer and I've loved watching him play my you know the last 15 20 years it was just not a good receiver group it just lacked explosiveness um they were playing guys Demir Bird um Terrell Sinkfield like they were playing guys down the stretch that you were not expecting to play at wide receiver. So um, Farrell Cooper even. So it's a bigger need than you would think. You'd think that, oh, man, you know, wide receivers in the air raid, they're just doesn't matter. You throw any receiver in there and they're going to make plays. But that was just a glaring weakness. So I think wide receiver at eight, pairing Kyler Murray with CeeDee Lamb, that that is very logical and is very much in play. Washington Huskies prospects, um, I'll start with Nick Harris. I think for a zone team that just wants to run stretch plays a lot, they're going to love him. He's under, He was under 300 pounds at the Senior Bowl, um, but his burst off the snap, his agility to move laterally is the best probably in this class at the center spot, but just lacks so much power. He needs to add 10 to 15 pounds and get considerably stronger, lower half, upper half, whatever. Um, that's really his pet peeve or, or his area. And, and my kind of pet peeve with him is that he's this crazy movement guy and can block with awesome angles and win the leverage battle because he's so low to the ground. But he'll get pushed back by NFL defensive tackles right away. Trey Adams, um, the big left tackle that's been on the radar since like 2018. So many injuries, but he did play basically a full season this year. Um, you see the movement skills. He's listed like at 6'7", six, 6'8", six, um, is a great athlete and plays with awesome knee bend. Like he understands that if he just stands up, he's going to get driven back repeatedly. Love the knee bend. Very controlled in his steps when he needs to move laterally against an inside move or a stunt. Um but isn't quite to the standard that you would want for a left or a right tackle. And despite him really trying to sink his hips, um, because he still is so tall, gets driven back more than you would expect. Um, I think he is pretty powerful, though. He, he's a very up-and-down guy. He reminds me a lot of the Auburn um, left tackle that you see stretches where you're like, oh, this is like a franchise, like all-pro left tackle. And then like the next quarter, he looks like a sixth or seventh-round pick. So Trey Adams is pretty inconsistent for being an older prospect. Flashes of power. You like the size, the length, um, and and the moments that are that are there most of the time of athleticism. Uh, so I think he's a really fun a, a fun prospect from an athletic standpoint. I think he'll show out at the combine, but the inconsistencies being a fifth year, sixth year senior um, were a little bit alarming on film. I'm trying to th- oh um, Hunter Bryant, the tight end, pretty linear. But And I've seen some comparisons to Evan Ingram. I didn't necessarily see those. Um, Made some good catches down the field, like tough catches. And he's not really a tight end. He's kind of like an H-back wide receiver. Um, Split him out in the slot. That's where you want Hunter Bryant. Um, Get him the ball in space. And I think he's going to be one of the fastest tight ends in this class. Third, fourth round kind of makes sense to me for him. Um, Trying to think of any other Washington guys. Salvin Ahmed. 
the running back, pretty twitchy, small, not a lot of power, vision's pretty good, contact balance is not great, goes down on on a on first contact relatively often um but those are the washington prospects not as great of a group as we've seen from washington over the past few years um under chris peterson there but still guys that are definitely going to get drafted i hope i'm not leaving out anyone um obvious from the washington huskies michigan prospects josh uchi got to start with him um speed to power i've written that said that repeatedly about him smaller edge rusher linebacker hybrid um, speed and then converts it to a lot of power, gets low to the ground and can drive back offensive tackles. Really impressive given that he's like 6'3", 240, not really big. Fluid as uh, a coverage linebacker, not going to make you know a Luke Keekly amount of plays in coverage, but has good range, isn't stiff, doesn't look out of place. You know, sometimes when edge rushers drop in coverage, it's like, why are they in coverage? Like they, they're, they're standing there, they're occupying space, um, but they're just so stiff, so uncomfortable. Uchi looks like an off-ball linebacker um, when he's sinking in, in zone coverage, and I think he's athletic enough to run with some uh, wheel routes down the field against running backs, maybe some slower tight ends. Um, love his inside move. Not a great edge rusher in terms of pass rushing moves um but when you have the ability to just threaten with speed and bend which is important obviously around the outside and then you counter that occasionally with a good inside move offensive tackles are going to be you know uncomfortable out there and then you and then they know oh this guy can also with that burst get up and underneath me and drive me back to the quarterback then you have the makings of a really good edge rusher so i really like josh uchi believe i have him like just outside my first round right now on my big board which i will release right before I head to the combine later this week um, and before the drills start on Thursday. Um, Michigan prospects, Lavert Hill, very good nickel slot cornerback prospect, smaller, not going to have a lot of length, but light feet, kind of grabby. The Michigan prospects played a lot of man coverage um, over the past couple years um, under that defensive coordinator, so he is um, pretty experienced in that respect and pretty good in that respect. Um Good technique in press. Um, I don't know how fast he's going to be. The ball skills are good, but a little bit grabby. I, I like Lavert Hill um, in the middle portions of the draft. It will be interesting to see how he times because I did see pretty good twitch on film. Michigan prospects, who else do we have? Um, geez, Uchi, Lavert Hill. Um, man, Shea Patterson is kind of off the draft radar for me. I mean, maybe athleticism-wise, Trace McSorley got picked. Um, he's kind of in that same mold. He's apparently a great athlete, but just quarterback did not cut. Oh, Donovan Peoples-Jones. Um, I like his lean that he has um, as a route runner. Like You like to see that. It, it kind of shows that a player's really bursting off the line. He's 6'2", he's around 210, number one prospect back in his day, um, which was like two years ago or three years ago, um, but just never lived up to the hype. And like you saw some splash plays, high points, um, speed down the field at that size, but then you saw drops. Um, I don't think he's very elusive as a route runner. Um, and although he's a good linear athlete and you see these moments of him leaping up, which looks like 40 inches making a catch, I just don't think he's great at creating separation. Not really great in any area. I think he'll probably be a better pro than he was at Michigan because the quarterback play wasn't great. Um, but he's someone who was weird. I thought Donovan Peoples-Jones was going to return for his senior season and Nico Collins was actually going to come out and the reverse happened. But I think he's going to have a big combine, which is going to push him up. Would not be surprised third or fourth round for Donovan Peoples-Jones, although the film kind of looks like a fourth or a fifth rounder to me. Um, and don't quote me on that necessarily. I mean, I, I, I have to factor in everything with the combine, but he was one pretty far down my wide receiver board in this absolutely stacked class. Um, so that's for the Michigan guys. I'm pretty sure that's it. Big 12 wide receivers. Jalen Rager is going to be in that Brandon Cooks range, I think, athletically. Low four threes. Um, reminds me a lot of Brandon Cooks when he was coming out of Arizona State. Good route runner. I mean, Brandon Cooks actually had much better quarterback play than Jalen Rager had. CeeDee Lamb's a headliner. After the catch is absolutely unreal. Contact balance, vision, acceleration, elusiveness. Um... Pretty good in contested catch situations, tracks it well. Um, I don't know how fast he's going to be, and I'm the only kind of gripe that I have for CD Lamb, which seems ridiculous to a lot of people. Um, didn't see press coverage like ever, and I'm not 
talking like there was never anyone in his face. There was he was getting like ten to fifteen yards of cushion. It seemed like on like every play. Um, so those are the two headliners. Um, Colin Johnson. I'm not as high on him as a lot of like other people. He's six six, um, legitimately or just under six six, and you see moments of this like gigantic catch radius. Um, pretty physical at the line dealing with press, but just a build up speed kind of guy. Not going to create a lot of separation, and he's not super physical like at the catch point. Like I don't think he's um, plays to six six and like two thirty. He's smaller than that, so he, he's a little bit lanky. Um, so those are the the big twelve wide receivers. Devin Duvernay, interesting slot guy in that he um, is faster than he is quick. I don't think he's very sudden. I don't think you know that that whip route that you see so much like the Cole Beasleys and the Julian Edelmans use. Um, so often a lot of slot receivers, I don't think Duvernay is going to be able to like create a ton of space doing those type of routes, but throw him screens. If you can get him the ball, uh, he's got a track background. I think he's going to test well. He can really hit those long plays, um, down the field. You saw him make catches, um, where a lot of slot receivers aren't very good because they're quicker than fast. He's actually faster than he is quick. Um, Akuda at Brown at, at number three for the lions, just, that's another question that was asked for Daniel Jeremiah. I'm just going to go back to that. I would go Jeffrey Okuda all day over Derek Brown there, but I think trade down is a possibility. Colts options. Quarterbacks in play. I think they like Jacoby Brissett, um, and they're building this roster uh, pretty well, under or very well under Chris Ballard, um, emphasizing athleticism the past couple drafts under him. I think Justin Herbert could be in play. Maybe Jordan Love to maybe sit behind Jacoby Brissett. For, to me, that would only last about half a season, but you could have the plan to be a full season. Um, they got to go wide receiver. I mean, T.Y. Hilton's been so good for so long. They've been really using just kind of like a bottom-of-the-roster group. And with Frank Reich being su- such a good offensive play designer and play caller, they've gotten some good production out of some guys like Zach Pascal and stuff. But wide receiver where they're picking just outside the top 10. Jerry Judy could be there. CeeDee Lamb could be there. Henry Ruggs will likely be there. Um, that would make a lot of sense, and I think it would add a lot to this offense. Um, Eagles round two cornerbacks. I love the round two cornerbacks in this class when you're talking about Jalen Johnson from Utah, really long, physical, good click and close ability, um, very nasty, can be a little grabby, um, and I don't know how he's going to test athletically um, compared to some other of the top guys. Should be pretty close to them, though, um, but probably a tier below. You have him, you have A.J. Terrell, um, you have Bryce Hall, um, you have Josiah Scott from Michigan State. I just watched him. I was really very impressed by his tackling and how twitchy he was, and his speed down the field, like crazy fast down the field. I think he could be in the second round um, conversation. I talked about him earlier for the Cowboys, but Noah Igbenogany, um, I think it's a really good corner class, and you can get some really good players. Maybe even if Trevon Diggs doesn't run super fast, he would make a lot of sense. Probably forgetting a cornerback, um, but the Eagles, if they do go wide receiver corner, I think they'll have a, a lot of options at the cornerback spot in round two. That's kind of the sweet spot. It's like Akuda is this top 10 guy. Then after that, I think um, I love uh, Christian Fulton from LSU. A lot of people are saying, oh, he's a little bit too small. But what he's been able to do the last two seasons playing kind of a murderer's row of wide receivers and quarterbacks, um, I thought he was really impressive. Got thrown the football in his direction a lot more this season than he did last year um, and had more pass breakups, more ball production, very twitchy. Um, if he is a little bit smaller and, and teams are, are worried that he's not 6'1", um, that would be a home run pick if the Eagles could somehow get him in the second round. Uh, Chase Young is a generational talent. Um, generational. That means, I mean, I think even if you're using this sped-up clock of the NFL, so so you're not saying a real generation, which is what, 40, 30, 40, 50 years? Um, even if you're using the faster NFL clock, I don't think he's generational. Um, we had Miles Garrett... The Bosa's to me were more were bendier around the edge, but he I've I've said it and I just dropped those two or three names. Chase Young is Bosa esque in Miles Garrett's body, so that's like and Miles Garrett's an absolute freak, six five, two seventy, two seventy five. The only problem that I have with Chase Young is that he's not insanely bendy around the edge. I saw him get pushed past quarterbacks occasionally, but 
hand moves, power, and for being 270, I think his bend is pretty good. Um, so I'm not going to say generational, but yes, the unquestionable um, best defensive player in this class. And if you're not using, if you're not talking about quarterbacks and factoring in value, the best overall prospect in this class, which that would be Chase Young and then uh, Bradley Chubb and then Nick Bosa. Those last three years, um, edge rusher is the kind of the consensus top overall player if you're not factoring in the quarterback's value. Um, Darrington Evans and Adrian Killens. Um, this was a question about two uh, running backs from Daytona Beach. So I'm assuming it was a Daytona Beach guy um, asking about this. I need to get to more of Evans. I liked some home run hitting ability that he had at a bigger size. Um, but a, a lot of the runs in, in between, I was not really impressed with the whole package, the vision, the contact balance, the elusiveness, but definitely has a lot of juice and he's going to be well over 200 pounds. Adrian Killens is like, tiny like he's not even going to be at the combine he's like 165 58 but he's a track guy like I could see a team picking him in the sixth or seventh round and saying all right we're going to give him the ball three to five times a game um Adrian Killens from UCF he might not get drafted because he just does not have NFL size but serious serious speed he hit a lot of big plays for the Knights over the past couple seasons um Tua Herbert and Love just talking about all three of those like where they could go um I think I'm going to kind of zero in on, on one guy. Um, Jordan Love, I think, could really move up boards because I don't think Tua's not going to work out. Joe Burrow's probably not either. Herbert, we know he's got a good arm. Jacob Eason, but not a lot of people have seen how strong and how effortless of a thrower Jordan Love is. I think he's going to move up uh, boards, only have a few more minutes here. Um, the Eagles balancing the wide receiver and corner depth. I think, yeah, if they love Christian Fulton in the first round, they could pick him there. There's going to be plenty of receivers, not just in the second. There's always wide receiver depth in the second. Um, but third, fourth, maybe even fifth round, if the Eagles want to go corner first and then wide receiver, that's going to be kind of the thought process for a lot of teams. Like, let's wait on wide receivers. And I've said that. I think I've said that for a long time. Judy and Lamb are going to go off the board quick. Henry Ruggs, after he runs in the 4-2s, will probably go off the board very quickly as well. But then after that, I could see a lot of teams going, oh, let's pick edge rusher. Let's go defensive tackle. Let's go linebacker because we know that there's going to be a lot of good wide receivers second, third, fourth round in this class. And I would not be surprised. Howie uh, Roseman is one of the best GMs in the league. would not surprise me if he goes that route, And even though a lot of Eagles fans wouldn't be happy with that after the first day of the draft. Nebraska prospects, not really high on anyone in particular. I'm actually, though, higher on Lamar Jackson, the big, long cornerback on the outside. Separation, you do see it um, when he's covering some wide receivers, but awesome length. I think he's a very patient and uh, like a good blend of being patient but also physical in press coverage, um, isn't lunging, doesn't have bad technique there, and just a lot of ball production. I think he's a better athlete than people think at like 6'2 and 205 with 33-inch arms. So teams that like the Seahawks, they're kind of the the, the obvious team there that like those longer corners, um, that would make a lot of sense. I'm going to try to speed through leads because I can only do 60 minutes here. Um, Jags defensive needs or uh, – um, and then talking about Isaiah Simmons, I think they could pick Isaiah Simmons. Um, they need to rebuild um, the defensive line. Calais Campbell could be a cap casualty. Marshall Darius, um, same thing. They did pick Josh Allen last year, uh, who had a really underrated good rookie season. Um, but they they kind of need um, some more offensive line help too. So it wouldn't shock me if they go in that direction. Cam Robinson uh, experiment probably done. Michigan State guys talked about him earlier. Josiah Scott. Just watched him. Amazing film, like for someone being so underrated. Raekwon Williams, to me, is right after Derek Brown. In terms of just being a pure run defender, with his ability to shed blocks and his power, he's up there. He's one of the best, if not top two or top three run defenders. Doesn't give you a lot of pass rush. Kenny Willekes, um looked like a first-rounder, what I thought last year. Just doesn't have a lot of juice. Great pass rushing moves. Um but we'll see how he tests. This is a huge week for him. 49ers at number 31. Where would you know where could they go as compared to you know they don't have a, another pick until the fifth round? I think secondary, Ashton Davis at, at safety would make a lot of sense. Maybe corner because of Richard Sherman's age. Um possible round one defensive tackles. Um Derek Brown's probably going in the top ten. Javon Kinlaw is my top defensive tackle. He should go in the top fifteen. Um 
And then there's kind of a little bit of a space. And I think um, Neville Gallimore from Oklahoma, who's going to test through the roof. Ross Blacklock from TCU, same thing. They're similar type players. Gallimore is a little bit more refined with his hand use. Um, but Blacklock might even be a little bit more twitchy off the line. Um, and I don't, maybe Jordan Elliott from Missouri. I, I don't really see it with him, but I, I've heard a lot about that people really like him. Um, uh, Jeffrey Akuda comps to the other recent quarterback or cornerbacks. He's up there. I mean, he truly is an elite prospect at the cornerback spot. It's not just he's the best of this group. Um, I had Tredavious White as my top corner in 2017. He's up there with him. Um, Denzel Ward was also up there. He's in that range. I think he's probably even better than Denzel Ward. Fast, super twitchy. Um, mirroring ability is outstanding. Um, there was another question about Kenny Willekes, importance of offensive line. Yeah, you need to have offensive line in today's NFL. I'm here in Buffalo. Um, just saw the, the step that Josh Allen took after the Bills really prioritized their offensive line in free agency uh, and in the draft by picking Cody Ford in the second round. Um, should the Browns go offensive line or Isaiah Simmons? I think offensive line. Isaiah Simmons is, is going to be a good pro, but it's all about Baker Mayfield. It's all about helping your quarterback. Um, a tight end fit for the Patriots. I think Adam Troutman from Dayton, who looks like kind of a complete package, pretty good blocker, twitchy, um, great receiving ability. He would make sense beyond the first round. Hunter Bryant would make sense too because he can hit some big plays. Um, and then I think Bryson Hopkins would make a lot of sense. If they want the Gronk type of guy, that would be Cole Komet um, from Notre Dame. He's not Gronk, but similar type of player. Wide receiver fits for the Raiders. Speed and yards after the catch. So you're talking LaVisca Chenault, um, Jalen Rager, Henry Ruggs, even CeeDee Lamb. I think those are all in play. Let me try to squeeze all these in. Ravens, wide receiver options at 28. I think Brandon Ayuk. I wouldn't go Justin Jefferson, but he might be um, on their radar at that point. Can the Bills wait at wide receiver? Definitely, and I think they probably will. Um, Cam Akers, really love him. He's my number two running back, I believe, going into the combine. Twitchy, terrible offensive line, very powerful um, in his lower half, great contact balance, good speed too. How fast is Henry Ruggs? Um, he's going to run in the 4-2s. That's how fast. And Neville Gallimore and Chase Claypool, two guys from Canada, awesome.